Hello, and welcome to the Irish Left Archive podcast. I'm Inga Story, and with me is Kieran Swan. In this episode, we talk to Sarah Clancy. Sarah is a poet and activist from Galway, and currently based in Clare. Her published collections include Stacey and the Mechanical Bull in 2011, Thanks for Nothing Hippies in 2012, and The Truth and Other Stories in 2014. Sarah has often performed her work both at literary and at political events. We discuss Sarah's background and how she came both to political activism and to poetry, how the two inflect each other, her experience of activism and analysis of the political left. We also discuss the challenges for the contemporary left in Ireland during the pandemic crisis. During the episode you'll hear Sarah read her poem, And Yet We Must Live in These Times. Uh, Unfortunately the audio on our remote recording was a bit echoey at that point, so apologies to Sarah that our technical skills didn't quite do her work justice, but I think listeners can still enjoy hearing it. As ever, if you want to get in touch, please do. You can contact us via the Irish Left Archive website at leftarchive.ie, email us at contact at leftarchive.ie, or find us on Twitter at ieleftarchive. Thanks again to Sarah for talking to us, and thank you for listening. Thank you very much for uh, talking to us, Sarah. Um, Maybe to start, um, you could tell us a bit about how you first became sort of politically aware um, and politically involved. Sure thing. So, uh, hello, Angus and Kieran. So, they, they, uh, I suppose I'm, I'm from Galway. I'm from Galway City, and I was a very late comer, really, to any sort of political awareness. Not, um, I, I was obsessed with horses when I was a kid. I was obsessed, absolutely and utterly obsessed with horses. So, I did. Uh, I basically tried my best to set myself up as a gangster horse dealer for many years. So I had left, um, left. Uh, you know, I had I had been at school, but I had been more, much more interested in, you know, horses and buying and selling horses than actually being in school at all. So, so I finished. You know, I, I kind of just about finished, and then I went straight on to work. Um, with, with horses, buying and selling horses out around Galway and working for different people and so on. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really connected in terms of, like, in terms of that world, in terms of politics. Um, you know, it would it would have it would have been a different one. You know, like because we were dealers, we you know we were dealing with everyone from uh, from you know fox hunting West Brits to you you know the traveller community in Ballinasloe Horse Fair. So it was was everybody. But you know, it wasn't. It certainly wasn't a politically charged. Environment and the, it would have been a, you know, it would have been a very Irish environment if 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 we're going to take Conor McCabe's analysis of Ireland as the the kind of that we're dealers, we're all dealers. So from that point, it would have been a, a typical experience. But like like for me, for me, from where I was coming from, I, I you know I was from, I grew up in a town, and you know my family didn't have horses or anything like that. We're a middle class family, so because of that, because of that, I had a very separate kind of early childhood and that to to the one that you might have expected uh, me to have because I was moving in very different circles even to the rest of my family and that so so it was you know it was quite quite strange so I left like I left school without having really any qualifications now that that's you know that that I wouldn't necessarily say you know, it wasn't the same as somebody having had no education because, you know, my like my parents were very interested in how we were educated. You know, I had been like at Montessori school for years because, you know, we had like like we'd, when my parents were interested in all sorts of different things like the arts and different things like, like that. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that there was no education, it just wasn't wasn't formal. And so and, and I'm, I'm 48 now. So the, the year that I left school, I think approximately half of my half of my year emigrated and around about half of them went to university. It still wasn't as it still wasn't as prevalent as it was now. You know, it wasn't necessarily 
contacted. So um, my my sister, who's a year older than me, she was the first one. I'm from a family of six, and she was the first one of our family actually to go to university. My mother was first actually because my mother went as a mature student, and then my sister, who's a year older, went to university. But so so I did that. You know, I was knocking around doing that till I was around about tw- twenty five. Um, and you know, it really it, it really meant that most of my formative years were kind of spent in rural Ireland, rather than you know rather than necessarily urban Ireland. So that's I'd say you'd you'd probably see that from some of the the poetry and the, yeah. the that you'd see that that kind of background there. So when like when I was around about twenty five, I, I I went away traveling for a year, you know. Um, and I, you know, I worked in various different places, and that, and that really gave me a taste. It really gave me a taste for not working with horses, to be honest, because I suddenly realised like, that there was this whole enormous world, and like you can go nowhere if you've livestock. You know what I mean? And you have them, have them every single day of the year. It doesn't matter if the revolution is happening; they still need their breakfast. You know, so it's like, it's like so, so, so that was, you know, I'd say that was kind of slightly, uh, you know, a, a mind-opening thing. And you know, when I came home here, then I worked in a I worked in a factory for a few years. I still worked with, with horses, you know, I rode racehorses in the mornings and had worked on an evening shift in the factory and that. So, so, uh, and, you know, I did, I did various other uh, different things, but that uh, around those few years, I would say were probably when I was changing and, you know, realizing, trying to figure out different things. Like, like I would say, for example, um, the, you know, one, like, like one of the things that I didn't know, is I didn't really know that I was a gay person, right? You know, so these are, these are, and I mean, I'm always making this joke and it's probably totally politically incorrect, but like, I didn't really feel out of place because like horsey women are dressed very much like lesbians anyway, most of the time, you know, in terms of, but, you know, you know, what I'm saying is in you're around in jeans and boots and outdoor clothes and it's not like, yeah. it's only, you know, it was only like, when the hunt ball comes, you go, oh, I'm a bit different to these other guys here and they all, you know, you realise they can get put into, into kind of dresses and glamour and that's not yeah. your thing at all, you know. So, so you know, some of, the, some of those uh, uh, things were, you know, they were quite uh, interesting. Uh, uh, another thing, like, it, it just worth saying because, like, it's kind of part of the, the formation in a way is that, you know, both, like, like, okay, so everybody, probably everybody that has the liberty of doing it probably takes, uh, you know, takes some time to figure out who they really are and what they really think about different things and so on. But like for, for, for me, I had a few different things going on, you know, as in I had something that I dealt with much later, which was I'd had, a, you know, I'd had the experience of being uh, abused as a, a very young uh, adolescent and teenager. And so that, you know, it, 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 it does, I, only, I wouldn't have been able to analyze it in that way then, but in in terms of it, to a certain extent, it sort of fractures your personality, so that you know, so so that it it was as if I had all these interests but no center, and so you know, so so who where was, like, where was the center to decide what my politics were? You know, in terms of like one of the kind of results is that you're you you kind of develop in relation to every external relationship and not to yourself you know so and and like that that was definitely one of the things so like while I was in a, a in that environment and was growing up and that it, it was really just you know it was really just it was with a bit more education and a kind of increase in confidence and different things that was only then that I started to go you know I started to understand that at some point I'd, I'd have to deal with that and then to, to go you know that maybe the person that I am for all these other people 
hasn't anything to do with me in fact you know and so 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 th so that was i'd say that was you know quite a between i'd say between maybe between 23 and around about 33 a lot of that stuff was going on and it didn't leave a whole pile of room for knowing where i stood on on political things you know that's that's yeah. well you know it's a, it's a it's a kind of a funny way to explain it but like so in terms of how I came around to it, I came around to it like a lot of other people, you know, I had started, like I said, I started working in a, in a factory, in a medical device factory here in Galway. And one of the things that actually was a strange confidence builder for me, although obviously I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want it to have to become my life or anything. But like, you know, I discovered really that I was more than able for doing all these sorts of things that I wasn't ha had no experience with before. Like I'd never used computers. I'd never done anything like that. And so that kind of started to lead me to go and do different, you know, different courses and things like that. And I started volunteering. I started volunteering with Amnesty uh, International in Galway there. And, you know, and, and then and then I started getting all this idea about like that I would help people in developing countries, you know, that I would fundraise for them and I'm going build houses for them and all sorts of things. Now, now so so it was like, a, a, you know, it was like a you know, I had an interest, but not the analysis in a way. Now, that's not to say, I mean, our analysis changes all the time. So I had an interest, but like, as I'm always joking, like, you know, I can't even hang a shelf. So why I would be heading off to build houses in Madagascar when they've 84% unemployment, I don't know, you know, you know, so you kind of, you know, as like, as you, as you go on, but, but just as in, you know, I definitely kind of, you know, was developing an interest. And I think, you know, particularly through, through volunteering in the, in the Amnesty Place in Galway, you know, I met loads of different people, you know, I met anarchists from Newcastle in England who were over, I met people, you know, that it would really just have challenged the kind of things that I thought and that, and, you know, the one of the the, the women who was working there, Jameen Kerr, she was really, really um, influential in a way, like she was determined that we were all going to succeed all sorts of things. So she'd have you, you know, she'd have you enrolled in a course and the form filled out for you before you... <laughs> you'd agreed you know so so like and and so you know just, just i think i think that that sometimes happens for lots of people as if yeah. something catapults you on, on on that way and so 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 that, that you know that was kind of uh, th those those things were kind of going on at that uh, uh like i'd say i'd say from my from when i was around about 30 and you know i'd say that part i i worked during that time i worked as well i worked for a few years for traveling cinema um, that was traveling all around Ireland. So, uh, you know, if you're looking at the traveling motifs in the in the poems, that's yeah. that's my favorite thing actually. If I could just be heading around the place, looking out at different things, trying trying to see if I could, you know, maybe buy some old metal gates or something when I was driving around. <laughs> that's probably my ideal job. But uh, so so th so you know, those were kind of the ways I came through it. Then then I I you know I did the the I did a I did a masters in NUIG which now, you know, is in it came at the end rather than at the start of some kind of political awakening, I'd say. And I, I did that um, and I had, you know, I was heading into it with no leave insert, don't mind it, don't mind anything else. So it was quite a, you know, I found it, found it like really quite tough, but yeah. I, I definitely found, you know, that, you know, from that I learned, I, you know, I learned an awful lot from the masters, but also from the political awareness of the other students who were involved in it, you know, and so we became involved in lots of different things at that stage that were a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more, I suppose, challenging and challenging capitalism and also from a very Irish point of view is in like one of the things I, I think may probably the anti-war protests in Shannon and I think then then coming up 
quite shortly after that, the Shelter Sea campaign in Mayo, you know, we were in, I became involved, you know, to, no, I'm not, I'm not like, the, I was involved in these, whereas people involved in them might have, you know, I was just one of loads of lo loads of people who were involved, but those, those became, you know, those became a kind of testing ground. Like I remember for uh, uh, as late as, as late as 2006, I remember being, in uh, in uh, up in Ballinaboy, and I remember watching the police beat the daylights out of people up there, and just it being a real awakening, you know, a real awakening in a way of something that, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, obviously, but just an awakening for a middle class person going, yeah, this is what this is what happens when nobody's looking, or this is what happens when you're not protected. So you know, so some of those were, you know, they were pretty formative things. So we in, we inclined. With a political awakening, and I mean, you got, I mean, going to Shelter Sea, being involved in Shelter Sea, being involved in the anti war protests. I mean, that was, that's quite a step change from not a lot of political activity. Were you attracted at all to organizations or parties or formations, or were you happier, were you more interested in campaigns and movements in a broad sense? So, well, no, it's, it's, you know, it's sometimes hard to remember what you thought. When you thought it compared to what you think now, so yeah. so like I, I can give you an answer to that now. But I'm trying to think of what I thought of at the time, and um, you know, at the time, I would have had very little interest in organised political party kind of um, campaigning. I would have been very, you know, I would have been very interested in, and I still am very interested in strategy. You know, what works campaigning, what. What, what, how do you go about it? Where do you have influence? How do and and also I think one of the interests I had, um, I remember discussing this with someone. Like it, it definitely would have changed slightly, but I think, you know, kind of going through the formation of my own identity. One of the things that I was really interested in was what happens in the places when the gloves are off. And I would have always been really interested in that. You know what? So what happens? You know, so we are, you know, we're all inhabiting this, this kind of uh, uh, vaguely normal thing, but around the edges, it's all held in place, usually by violence or the threat of violence and just a kind of fascination for what, what is it like there? You know, that, that so, so like that's not necessarily virtuous or ethical or anything, but just to go, what is it like when you're there? What is it like, you know, what is it like if you're not me there? You know, some of that came from having gone away traveling and having worked in a few different countries. Like I, was, I, I, I worked as a tour guide in Borneo for a while, and I think, but one of the first places I went, like having having been nowhere, I went to when I was, and, and this was not a political; it was just backpacking. But I went to uh, India, and I went off by myself when I was about twenty-five. So I went from like, you know, no knocking around Ireland at horse fairs to somewhere entirely different, mm. and like it was just, I think that the, just the absolute culture shock of it um you know just just probably was a mind opening thing i know mm. that's what that i know that's and not not involving any drugs or midnight yeah. waves or anything <laughs> like that but it was just just you know this this idea of the right extreme inequalities up close to each yeah. other you know and of also of trotting through that kind of as a backpacker and so 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 i'd say that that's i'd say that's where some of that interest came from around mm. the sea stuff and so on but um you know, like my, you know, to 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 be fair to them, my my parents are are like they would have been quite the, you know, they're like my father's will be ninety this year, and they're still alive and well. But you know, they were quite political people for their for their time. You know, mm. um, uh, not you know probably in that kind of Catholic, justicey charitable way yeah. to begin. Mm -hmm. 
that you know that definitely changed so like you know I do know that like as well as going to visit the Pope we were also up in the cathedral protesting Regan's visit you know so 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 like there was a bit of well yeah a bit of that stuff going on in the background for sure you know um having been involved in the campaigns um were you becoming more politically... I mean, it was obviously like you were becoming more and more politically aware and mm-hmm. a, a sense... I mean, and also, I mean, I think there's also obviously with the um, the LGBTQ community itself, I mean, that's a radicalising community in many, many respects. And so did you find there's a whole bunch of different streams fly, kind of, or, or strands threading together? Um, for, for, like, for me, for me... Um the the you know one of the things and i mean this this like these are these aren't you know these aren't i'm not saying these are good things but one of the like one of the things for me is the the first real part of lgtbq activism that i was involved in i think was a marriage equality campaign and i became involved in it with very bad grace um, (laughs) you know for 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 various reasons right you you know now now you know i definitely think it was a it was um you know the the cynical me that entered it wasn't the same person that left it because i you know i understood a lot of different things Mm. about myself by the time it was finished you know just from from having been involved in it but i i think that you know that and that's you know that's an interesting question is in i hadn't found i hadn't ever found my lgtb community um you know i hadn't ever found it as in i'd found it extraordinarily apolitical whenever i found you know everyone everyone i met you know so like like i i, I kind of at the same time as a political awakening for me was the realization you know that 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 i was a, a queer person or that i wasn't a heterosexual person and that you know but but at the same time so while i was involved in you know while we were it kind of you know while we were campaigning somewhere with arriving at an analysis you know i would go out and try to go to a gay bar and every woman i met wanted to be a guard you know and you're like (laughs) what's this no that's total sweeping statement you know what i mean totally i I obviously was a bit obnoxious as well because i was like what the fuck do they all want to be guards for like but um you know so so it was like you know it was like i think you know i think there are there absolutely are and there have been in ireland really radical queer communities Mm. but they weren't a community that i was in uh in our, our, you know, that are that I had the tools to access, you know. So, yeah. so where where I knew how to access LGTB culture, it was, you know, in bars or in nightclubs, and I didn't find it. I didn't find anything there, you know. I didn't find anything there that that was going to, like. You know, I think I probably thought, okay, so I'm gay, but I'm going to be gay on my own over here. Yes, yes. (laughs) Which is probably my political organizing analysis as well as in going, I'm going to be political, but I'm going to be it on my own over here. Um, But uh, so, 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 you know, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't part of my understanding, you know, although I would say a lot of queer writers, black queer writers in particular, Mm. would have been really like, you know, in terms of learning and thinking about what it was I felt about the world, I think they would have been, like, really quite formative. I think, like, Audre Lorde and, you know, people like that. So, but just not on my doorstep, that's all. Yeah, Yeah. that makes a a lot of sense. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and and, and it accounts in a sense, because implicitly what you're saying is not an aversion necessarily, but you stand apart from political parties and formations as such. Is that fair to say, would you say? 
Um, so, so it, it's like, okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to sound like I have a big theory on this and I don't have a big theory on this, but I, I'd say, you know, my habit is, is like my habit. Okay. So I like, I was trying to think from before having this conversation, I was trying to think what are the things that I've been in, involved in? And, you know, I was going like, okay, so there's the, the referendums, there's the, the uh, shelter see there's the anti-war protest a bit of environmentalism there's you know there's 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 the, the anti-austerity movement the water charges the you know the, the various different things but you know the the way that i've engaged uh, the way that i've engaged with all of those things has been pretty much on my own terms you know in terms of so i might have engaged with some of them as a poet i might have engaged with some of them like like even you know i'll, I'll just say for, for example here the the repeal movement here in clare we canvas we set up a small group to canvas kind of um north clare south galway because both because that area is slightly outside all of the other ones so and and you know the same the same thing was kind of true in the marriage equality referendum so it's it's in a way I'm not good at doing the long haul you know I'm great at things that have an end date or an action and now by that I don't mean like a, a direct action but I mean mm. an action in terms of going is there something that I can actually do and contribute mm. here to this thing rather than going to all the meetings and you know being elected to all the bodies and all, all, the, all the whole lot so 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 that's like that that's what I'd say is in I'm I'm I my 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 interest is maintained for kind of short bursts in which in which you know in which i can be very effective as in you know in terms of it but but do i want to spend 10 years going to the meeting no okay. so, so that's very understandable so that's, yeah no but i think but you know as in i think like lots of people are much better on in terms of you, you know if you think of the relationships that have to be built for people to work together when they come under pressure mm. you know people like me that flit in and flit out again are not necessarily useful, but for particular things, it is useful. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is useful to go. Okay, there's there's someone there can can kickstart that. So it's 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 just a different, the different personality. I mean, you know, in terms of the political party stuff, um, I'm not quite like like my sentiments. My sentiments, in a way, would be towards ordinary people being able to claim all the power that's available to them. You know, and that 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 this is the only thing we'll build from so 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 my my feelings and sentiments around political change around grassroots political change but i'm not you know i'm not actually an anarchist i've always i've always thought that particularly in ireland that the 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 resources are just we're in a tiny country and resources decisions far-reaching decisions about how our resources are, are distributed are made by these political parties so uh, and they're near us so like it makes a big difference for example it makes a big difference whether we get an independent in in Galway constituency or we get another Fine Gael or, you know what I mean it makes a huge difference actually you know I would have come I've canvassed for for a couple one two three three elections I think for Catherine Connolly you know locally and then and you know, basically, I really think it's worthwhile changing one ordinary person for one decent socialist. You know, e even because yes. it changes the conversation that is then had in the parliament. So, you know, I think I think that that's that's in a way. But like, do I want to join a party? I wouldn't say never, but I'd say like, the you know, I can nearly think of the reasons why I have to resign from the party before I join it. Yeah. <laughs> no. so, so you know, you know, and so so I'm, I'm just, just going like, uh, you know, it's the, the I don't know if you know um, Peter Pringle, the, yeah. the 
with Peter Pringle, you know, people people can give really good advice. And one of the things he said, something that st stuck with me once, and he was saying, you know, if you're going to get into politics, the one thing I've learned is follow the principle, not the person, because the people will always veer. And so if you're following the thing, the thing or the ethos or the ideology or the thing that you want to achieve. And if you just keep following that, wherever everything else is going, you opt in and opt out as, as it goes, I think. And, and you know, I think maybe it's because it suits me, but I thought that was, I thought that was very good yeah, advice. That's so great. I would have been involved in a couple of the, the these, are, these are unpopular now, but I had forgotten about them, but the, the anti-Lisbon treaty campaigns one and two and a couple of the previous ones to that now, now the, the obviously that with Brexit and everything that has gone out of fashion, but but like I did, you know, I think there's something worth talking about there because one of the things, like the not so much in terms of you know the Irish political system, but one of the things that's happened every time something is won or lost, the 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 table shifts. Brexit really overthrew the the very very valid critiques of how the eu is set up how it's operating how it's how racist it is how you know how how we're drowning migrants on the borders of it how neoliberal it is and so you know it really it really that to a certain extent you can't there's nowhere to engage in that argument almost now at the moment and and i think i think we don't pay half enough attention to it in Ireland, yeah. I think we pay far too much attention to the personalities in the doll and not half enough attention to this enormous, you know, enormous bureaucracy that's on a, uh, that we're fully enmeshed in. Absolutely agree. Like it needs to be critiqued all the time because yeah, it's a power yeah. center. And, and a lot of what you're about seems to me to be about critiquing power centers right the way throughout the society, be it the church or be it economic, mm -hmm. be it the, the nature of the class structure uh, and you know, that's another power structure. And as you say, people aren't looking at that at all at the moment. And it is, you know, it is like, it is interesting if you, like, if you think of it, if you think of the behaviour of, you know, if you think of the behaviour or the things that exist within the EU now, if you think of Poland and their LGTB free zones, you think of yeah. Hungary, you think of, you know, you think of these things and you're going, come on, you know, actually come on is in that, that like, the, you know, this, so this is not to say that elsewhere is better, but we're in this, you know, we're, we're, we're in this one. And I think, you know, I think those are not, you know, those are not sufficiently engaged with, you know, like, like I think the, and, and I mean, I think this is, this is my unpopular, unpopular critique of the left is in, I think that there's, we, that we have a default tendency because of being opposed to US imperialism, we have a default tendency to think that anyone who's against them is on our side you know anyone who's against it is on our side and i think you know if you put a queer lens on that like putin's russia is no friend of ours you know what i mean is in like like and that's not, not to say i'm not talking that but, but in terms of any any state that's prepared to weaponize a minority group to organize people around that's something we're going to have you know that's something we're going to have a real problem with yeah. and you know it might be lgtb communities this week but it'll be whoever else they want it to be uh, you know, uh, uh, very quickly, you know, as in it's not, it's just because I remember now this is not from, from my brain, but a, 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 an activist that I know who sought asylum here. I remember him saying, you know, that it was really interesting because like Ireland was using its LGTB Q credentials with you know having a a, a gay T-shirt and all sorts of different things to to kind of weaponize us around thinking that you know quite a right wing capitalist system was liberal and Russia was using was weaponizing LGTB communities to say we're not like 
those, you know, were not like the Craven West and none of it had anything to do with LGTB. Q people, you know what I mean. So this, so it was just this. It's just this. They're, they're they're playing. They're both playing for want of a better word. They're both playing a gay card, but not yeah. for any reason. You know what I mean. Not for not for any any reason. You know, on one side, not to do with justice, and on the other side, not to do with. Uh, actually, I'd say Putin couldn't give a damn whether someone's gay or not. No yeah. more than you know. No more than Donald Trump is hugely anti-abortion. I'd say it's just what happened to be handy. But th- so th- so those are. I I you know I notice a. a I, I noticed some of that, just that handy, the, like the enemy of our enemy could still be our enemy. <laughs> Absolutely. And as you say, that's not necessarily the most popular thing to say at certain No, points, it's not, but... you know, because it's easier. It's actually easier not to, you know, it's, it, it's easier. I, like I found, right, I, I'm very interested in uh, Central American and, and uh, Central America and Mexico, just for, for no reason other than that mm. I... I was, you know, I had been there a couple of times, and I'd been uh, had the great good fortune to be to to meet really good people over there, and they kind of linked me in with all sorts of things that blew my mind. So, like, we were on on caravans with migrants coming up through Mexico to to uh, go to uh, the United States and that. And so, but yeah. by being interested in those politics, like, you know, you see things like there was extremely strong critiques coming from like say for example the 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 position here of the left here is like that oh nicaragua is a shining example and you know like like there there we are and like within a couple of years like at a protest very much like the water protest here 200 odd people were killed you know uh killed and 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 and, you know when you're just going like if that happened in dublin it would be like look at look at bloody sunday and i mean no no disrespect but look at how long and how resonant those yeah. deaths, those thirteen deaths, ha- ha- have been, and yet, and yet, we're supposed to dismiss it as, as, as like, no, it was an American coup. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still dead. Like that's the, 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 and and so I think, I think, I think that some of that, that's one of the things I think that that the more you know, sometimes the more you don't know. Yeah. In a way, you know, and yeah. you know, so, so, you know like, I would have always, I would have always had this real soft spot for like like how things evolved in in like a soft ideological spot for how things evolved in Nicaragua compared to mm. some places it was our example of where an armed overthrow of mm. the state actually you know that right really succeeded in significantly changing the outcomes for people but also yeah. didn't really involve itself hugely in any of the reprisals or any of the you know it didn't didn't mm. create this you know it didn't it didn't mimic the power abuses that it it overthrew and then and then it did you know so so like and i think the same link is there as in like the 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 same link is there in terms of that an uber catholic an uber catholic alliance was made with the the socialists which trod down the rights of women trod down feminist groups trod down uh, you, you know really really pushed all those things down started to you know introduce all sorts of re, you know really re- repressive laws around women's reproductive rights and so on and i think that that those should be right those are really important things in their own right but they should be the canary like we shouldn't tolerate Absolutely. you know we shouldn't aspire to to those like if, if we can't do it with if we can't do it without repressing any given group I don't know how how we do it. That's the. It's about diversity, and it's about they're part of any left project worth its salt, aren't they? 
They have to be intrinsic yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, they have to be. Well, or else somehow it's not a left pro. Uh, somehow, I would for me, I would say it's not a left project then because it's mimicking. It's a left yeah. patriarchal pro uh, project, and actually, if yes. we're going yes. to get into it, patriarchy serves capitalism very, very well. Yeah. You know, the, 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 you know, in, in terms of like whose work is free, whose work is whose work, like like what is the what are the natural resources that are being consumed on under capitalism? Who's there's always someone, there's always someone doing loads of free work for the capitalists. And and I think that if you don't bring that analysis, it's only if you don't bring that analysis to it that like and but but then but then you know you end up in all these different things as in like, but what are we for? Do we like anything? <laughs> Well, I don't know. Is it not? Is that not a positive vision, like uh, a yeah. liberating vision? Uh, you know, for women and for. Um, I mean, even to articulate it that way seems to me almost to be subdividing up projects of broad struggle, which encompasses everybody. Or, or somebody said to me, advance and diversity. You know, you just keep moving forward, and everybody is part of that struggle. Yeah, and I, I you know, I think one of the things is that on the left, the idea of individual freedom. The idea of individual freedom on the left has become, you know, you know, now I understand, you know, in terms of individual freedom has been under capitalism, the freedom to acquire as much as you can on the marketplace, you know what I mean, or the freedom to win as much as you can, and if you can't, it's poor lookout, right, so that's, that's at its worst, but there's a lot more to the concept of individual freedom than just that, and that we're actually playing, we're playing into a capitalist analysis to assume that individual freedom would count against a more socialist or a more just redistributive system, you know. So, 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 so that's that's like like that's uh, you know that's kind of in on on that's roughly where I am in twenty twenty one on my ideological quest is in terms of going. Yeah, it, it absolutely has to be overthrown. But when if there's any group, it, oh, you know, if, I, I I don't think our freedom to accumulate billions is an individual freedom. You know what I mean? Isn't that whereas, whereas that's what capitalism would tell us. But but like our freedom to have a dignified existence and to have what we need is a different type of thing. And also to be free, uh, as free from interference to live by, you know, how, how we choose in the societies. I, I think th those two things, I think we need to claim them back yeah. as a whole a bit on the left, you know, uh, like just saying class doesn't do that. In terms of the political activity, clearly at some point you shifted as well towards cultural activity and encompassing your political activity within the cultural activity mm -hmm. in some respects. Um, how did that come so, about? So, yeah, well, I, I, was, I was just actually going, how did that come about there when you asked me that? I was going, how did that come? Um, so, so, like, I, right, I, I would say that the, the um, you know, so, so I started I started writing... Uh, I started writing poetry when, when I wo I worked for after having volunteered for Amnesty, I worked for Amnesty for I think a couple of years as well. And when I was working there, I kind of got this idea that my whole life was becoming about a campaign. So I would do something that was not about a campaign, and then I immediately started writing poems about campaigns. So uh, <laughs> you know, are are like about about uh, similar issues, but. They, they, so like I had, that was roughly, that was roughly, um, you know, that I'd say that wasn't the motivation. Like I always thought when I was a child, I always thought I was going to be a writer, but then I realized that you can't be a writer unless you actually write something. 
Um, so and I had put it off, you know, I'd put it off for uh, a while, like like you know, I'd written a bit, I'd written a bit, I'd say in my very early twenties, and I'd written, I'd written, um, you know, like, and I'd read an awful lot, you know, I had 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 read and had grown up, grown up uh, reading really like uh, as an avid reader, and I think hmm. that basically, I think that I just got around to it eventually, you know, like I had. You know, I would say that I, I had my mother was very interested in literature. You know, she worked in bookshops and, um, you know, she, I, she was very interested in children's books and that. So before I was interested myself, we, we would have had a house full of kind of poets. And I'm always joking, saying, you know, it certainly wasn't certainly wasn't that attractive to me because like they were all broke and like the you know broke and kind of uh, you know I was going out trying to sell my horses and fleece whoever I could find. Um, okay. you know, and they were all sitting around talking about poetry in the house or whatever, you know. So, so like, but it wasn't a world, you know, it wasn't a world that was alien to me. I would have known something about it. Would have had a house full of poetry books and that. And so, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a really odd thing to be doing. But I found one of the things I found is that to a certain, in a certain way. Uh, like now this is in a small way I'm not talking about as if I was Bruce Springsteen or something but to a certain way I kind of hit the zeitgeist a little bit just as uh, as I started writing as in I think you know things had become and were beginning to become uh, a, a bit more politically charged you know the the Celtic Tiger era was coming to coming to its untimely um, demise and that and so I think I started writing into some in I started writing I came with the politics and started writing into a sphere that was receptive to it, you know, at the, at the time. So, so, and I know, like, I know that that has changed a little bit, but like, I know that, you know, different things. I know people like, I know far better writers than me writing poetry and, you know, nothing ever happened for them. Whereas, whereas I had like, I was able to get a book out very quickly and I was invited places to read. And I was, you know, you know, just, just in terms of that, uh, you know, so, so and some of that I think was probably having a bit of a profile previous to that, just in in certain circles, and and some of it was just about what what it was um, that I was writing, and I think like I was writing very much at, at that stage, I was writing very much from my personal experience, and my personal experience at that time was everything going completely fucking wrong, right? Per, you know, kind of personally, you know, and that was that was around about you know like it was around like I had done, I had done various things that I thought would sort my life out so I had like changed jobs gone back to university I got a job worked you know worked in a factory and everything I got a mortgage got a house wasn't able to pay for it um you know my work I had moved into the sphere that I wanted to work in and like I I was what I was actually working at was I was working just as the crash really hit I was working I'd gone self-employed and I was working um in on organizing programs to train young people in in youth activism so we were organizing <laughs> activism camps and as you can imagine at the start of a the funding dried up for that pretty quick smart <laughs> as you can imagine the government funded they didn't want any more activists all of a sudden just at a, at a you know you know i think i think when they you know if they wanted to present them with gashka awards and stuff they were perfectly happy with it mm. but when the pressure was on they were definitely not looking for um what it was we were we were doing and so like so so I ended up but as well as that at that time I had started writing and kind of starting to engage like I, I mean kind of starting to engage in that subconscious way I'm very you know I'm quite practical and I'm quite like like I, I'm always doing something but just having that inward look had actually caused me all sorts of crises which 
which, you know, just of things I hadn't resolved and I hadn't dealt with and it made me have to go, it really kind of culminated in me having to go and deal with it. And I just wasn't able to hold everything together while I was doing it. So while Ireland was falling apart, I was actually falling apart. And so one of the things was, because I was writing about it, obviously everybody else was falling apart at the same time. So there was an audience to my, for my self-pitying, for my yeah. self-pitying poems where I could go, oh my God, the whole thing is messed up, you know? So so I think like in a way that's some of, that's some of what happened, you know, was in like, you know, I had been like, you know, every time I tried to have a relationship, I was making a complete mess of it. I was like all these different things. So they were all in yeah, terms yeah. of the, the two books of poems, they were all were like wrapped up in that. So it, uh, I think it was a mixture of what was, you know, what was happening for a lot of people, plus the kind of slightly over personal sharing that we don't like in Ireland, plus mm. A mixture between a kind of a nostalgic saw doctor song, and I think there was an audience. There was an audience for that type of thing at the time. So, so in a way, that's probably what the the trying to come up with a better way to explain it is. In I think people were willing, wanted to have a chance to be publicly angry and publicly sad, and I think that that's those, because those were the things that I was experiencing myself. That somehow there was an audience for for those things. Would you? Say you're a political poet, or do you think that's a constraining way of of framing it? The, so, uh, I, like, I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any issue with saying it. And an awful lot of my work, an awful lot of my poetry is political. Um, but the the you know, like, I, you know, as we were saying, I think I think most things are political. Just some things don't know they're political. So so the the fact is, you know, like I would go right. I would go so far as to say some of my poetry is agitprop, pure propaganda. You know, so so for whatever it was that was moving me at that time. So is it political? Absolutely. You know, but but um, uh, some of it is not. Some of it is just personal. Um, uh, you know, it's just personal. It's just what what I I was moved to write. But I, you know, I would say that some of the poems that some of the poems that I have written that have worked politically have been the most personal ones so and I mean that that's something that's quite interesting to think about that so, like like in terms of to think about what's political and what's not so in, in you know in a way I think that though it it, it it just depends on what you're calling political you know so like there are a lot of poems that describe political issues Right. You know, so they so they can describe something that's political, you know, um, no, and I have them as well. So I'm not I'm not casting expressions. I'm just trying to explain myself a little bit better. But, you know, we all have poems about the migrant drowning in the boat and all sorts of different things. But what have we done when we finished that? Nothing. You know, we've done nothing. Mm. The migrant is still in their boat. Do you know what I mean? Is in the, We may have somebody may know a little bit more about it or they may have felt something about it. But in terms of like what I would consider a political poem in a way is a, a poem that's a political intervention that inter, that intervenes somewhere politically. You know, now that's that's not to say, you know, I think if you're going to try to if we're going to try to overthrow the state, I think we might pick a better tool than poems. I think they can be part of it, but I think like so. So I don't want to overstate their their significance. But at the same time, you know, at the same time, that power of oratory or that power of you know that power of intervening in in a way or in a situation politically is very you know it can be very effective it can be hugely effective you know and i think that it, that i think that that maybe is where the idea is you know so a poem that has a political theme is not necessarily an intervention whereas a poem that intervenes in something that's happening you know whether that's at a public demonstration or whether that's whether that's a poem at a at a public event that 
takes on the people running it. You know, you see, you know, you see a lot of see a lot of examples of that, and that's that just in in a context, a poem in its context can actually be a weapon, you know, it can be a weapon or a gift, you know, it can be a weapon yeah. or a solace. And sometimes, sometimes it depends on my on my bad days. I like the ones that are weapons. I was looking again at because somebody has a video of it on YouTube. Uh, you're reading uh, Cherishing for Beginners when uh, at the rally when the Pope was visiting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's it sounds like a good example of, of what you're talking about there in terms of. Yeah, it's like the just to say so that rally about the pope you know in in one of the th- the the things you know is in i like i felt very strongly about being there in lots of ways because i felt very strongly about my own i i have felt my own personal history not from my family but i felt my own personal history very much intertwined with these kind of cultural oppressions that have come from that have come from that kind of authoritarian you know sex obsessed yeah. sex and wealth obsessed religiosity uh that, that that we had so i felt very strongly about like being there and being invited to be there but it also is like it also the, the poem itself is also like the the you know it's a critique of the state as well and i think that to a certain to a certain extent i think it probably applied to more things there than i imagined it was doing at the time you know because it actually was it's it's a church and state thing you know as in it was our state that was rolling out the the red carpet for the pope in in 1979 i saw him actually i went to see him in ballybrit i think i was six <laughs> or something but but um the the um so, so you know that 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 idea. I think I think that's one. Except, just in 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 that way, that wasn't really an intervention because the people were there. To you know, that was a reflection of some of the feelings of the people who had taken the trouble to be gathered there. So, so it wasn't you know it wasn't contrary. Yeah, you don't to see them. it in the same category of. Well, well, I see it slightly. I see it in the, in the category there of like you know reassurance. So it's so so it's an intervention, but so was everybody else's attendance there on that day. You know, so say for example, imagine the same poem. Imagine the same poem, for example, and now it didn't happen, but imagine the same poem at the uh, Fina Gael or Fina Fall led commemoration yeah. event, right? You know, so 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 that then it would be an intervention, you know, and it and, and like you know, and, and and I mean, we don't often get many opportunities to do those things because they know you're risky. They know yeah. they're not bringing her. You know what I mean? But you do sometimes, you know, you do sometimes get you do sometimes get those opportunities. From the top of my head, I can't think of them but like one of the examples I would use is like for a while not at the moment because I've been kind of off the radar for a while but for a while I was on the radio all the time because poetry is extremely cheap to put on the radio because you don't need a band or anything so so like it's very good you know for for radio programs but also like obviously they had an interest in the arts and that and I mean you can say anything you want in a poem like you can say absolutely anything you want you would they would have to get on three people to contradict you if you were on a on a on a program, but you know you can say almost anything you want in a poem, and especially especially if you're doing them live, people don't really know what you're going to do, you know. So they don't really know what you're going to do at the time. So in that circumstance, you definitely can, you know, you can be quite um, effective, and you know, like you know, you can take advantage of huge platforms. I think is what what the thing is by by being a poet, and it's really hard if you're a musician because like. Mm. You can that as well but the song it has to actually be a song as well you can't just go ranting on about something (laughs) that's good so do you think it um do you think it gives it gives you a useful tool that you you maybe wouldn't be invited on to speak uh as a as a 
political activist or something, but you absolutely, would. yeah, absolutely. Well, I well, I think it's I think it's certainly like I I wouldn't you know like I've said in in terms of like as a political activist, you know, I'm not the leader of any campaign. I'm not the spokesperson of it. I'm not the I'm not the person that would represent the rest of the group in most cases. But as a poet and a writer, you get to do that an awful lot of the time. You know, now, now it's not so. So it's not necessarily to represent a group, but you get given platforms, and those platforms are places where those points of view might necessarily be invited into a lot of the time. So you know, like I would say, a lot of the things that a lot of the things that um, I, I'm invited to are less less frequently poetry events and more frequently, you know, something to do with social justice or, you know, uh, NGOs or campaign events or things like that. And, you know, to, to, in, a, in a way, I suppose it functions as it functions as kind of creating an emotional connection between the people there and the issues and so on in those spheres. But so 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 it does it does it definitely gives you a platform. Like I remember, you know, when I worked for Amnesty, you'd be fighting to get on the radio, where or you'd be fighting to get. Uh, whereas if you're, you know, if you're an artist, you know, people speak to you a little bit differently. You know, they speak to, and and they're not able to dismiss you quite as easily by just not not agreeing with you. You know what I mean? Particularly yeah. particularly if you achieve some some form of status as an artist, you know, wh- however little or, or great that is. So. Did you ever get a sense of pushback from, say, the cultural world? Well, well, you know, the 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 I so there is like there is of course of course pushback, and like so so there's both okay so there's two things. Some people just don't like that type of poetry, mm. and I mean that's fine, that's fine, that's all, you know you know it's like we're not all expected to like a certain genre of music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is people don't take it personally if you go, I don't like Garth Brooks, you know. <laughs> they, they, do you know what I mean? They don't they don't like so 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 and there is that. But like so yeah, there there's loads of stuff as in like loads of people would say, oh, you know, why does she have to shout when she's reading her poems or like, you know, as in like, oh great, she's gonna tell us about her mortgage again, is she? You know, you know, so so but like, like, like why are the drums too loud, you know? Yeah, no, no, but it, but like so so there so there's pushback and there is there certainly is, you know, there certainly is snobbery about what's real art or not. But like I, I'm not I'm not I'm not worried about that. Do you know what I mean? Is in it's not it's not something that entertains my time very much because mm-hmm. like like I don't know is in like I haven't I haven't released a book of poetry for about five years. Maybe I won't. Who knows? Like I've written loads of poems and you know I've done mm. different things, but like I won't die if I don't write another poetry book or if like do you know or if the the you know, if it's really badly or, you, you know, as in like nothing's going to happen to me. I'm going to be still here living. So, so like, I, 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 it's not, so it's not like, like I would want to, I, I would want to write with kind of integrity and I want to write because I want to write and I have something to say. And if I'm happy with the thing that I've said, then it's up to anyone else to think what they want about it at that point but you know to say to to, to take about the kind of a, sli- a slightly more political analysis of that like i know it's changing it's changing thankfully there are lots of young up and coming people you know from from all sorts of different backgrounds in ireland writing now and and, and it's changing a bit but like ireland, irish poetry has been so uber conservative for for like for years you know like like most of most of the poetry that i read actually came from a, you know, black and queer writers from the United States are from Latin America, and like there's a real, there's a real slightly repressed thing. Is in it's it's a it's a patriarchal thing, obviously, and it's a, who was in the canon and what was in the canon, and like it's not, 
it's not necessarily like we had extraordinary poets and like, you know, so so lots of poets opened the door. I would say like, you know, okay, Ivan Boland, who 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 died this year, she mm-hmm. really opened the door around women being taken seriously as writers and being, you know, being actual real writers. And then I'd say if you take, you know, if you come down a bit further, Rita Ann Higgins mm-hmm. went, you can actually also be working class and be a writer. Now she got she got huge pushback. You know what I mean? She got huge pushback and criticism of her poetry. And yet and yet I would say like hers will stand the test of time yeah. equally, yeah. Or, you know, e- equally until you know, on, on, when when any analysis is be is being done, so so like so like there were there were female poets challenging that there were uh, poets challenging that in in terms of class and all sorts of different mm-hmm. things. But actually, what has been esteemed, what has been esteemed, has been very much. You know, it's been a kind of a lyric pastoral poem. Um, where I mean, the lyric I call it country and western poetry, right? It doesn't, it doesn't mean I don't love some of it, but it's kind of like comforting. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like no, that, that's a total sweeping statement because not all of it is like that. So it's like that if we, we say, you know, like Seamus Heaney was such a towering figure yeah. that people almost learned that that's how you write a poem, yeah. And so, mm-hmm. so, so even though he was, you know, really excellent at it, um, doesn't mean everybody has to write in that fashion you know so so that you know it's not to dismiss it's to make a complete generalization kind of to show the point but like we you know there was all sorts of experimental performance poetry all sorts of things happening in the wider world available for us to look at but to a large extent our poetry establishment here did not look at it you know so so now that's not to say that the poets themselves didn't look at it or didn't you know uh, experiment with it but like and and just you know just over the water the, the, the you know that was that was happening as well and like i think we still have a lot of catching up to do to be honest mm. It's like I was I remember it's 15 or 16 hearing John Cooper Clark at the time. Exactly. I was thinking of him as well as in just going like who, who, where was that? Like, where was that punky edge to it? Like, even, yeah. you know, yeah. in, I know there's all sorts of criticisms, but like, you know, we're able to read the beat poets here. We're able to see, yeah. you know, but so where are they? Where were they in Irish writing? They weren't really showing up, you know, yeah. um, so, true. so. Uh, oh, you know, until and I mean that—that's. I'm not saying that I showed them up either, because like the the, you know, but but at the same time, at, at the same time, I think I had w- one of, one of the things that's probably worth saying is, in I think that with like my publishers, Jesse Lendeni from from Salmon Poetry, and she's an American, um, uh, she's an American, that mm. you know that came here and everything like that, and she had a much wider field of vision and you know it's not by accident that she published a good few of the more like if you look at the, the people who kind of came from the performance poetry scene mm. there's like there's Dave Lord and there's Lane Feeney there's myself there's um Steve Murray there's Colin Keegan I did almost all of those she published almost all of those because the other ones publishers more than likely wouldn't have touched us or would have wanted to edit us to look like the other poems, do you, do you know what I mean? So, like so to a certain it, extent, it, it is like punk poetry never happened until the two thousand and late 2000s and early two thousand and tens. Yeah, yeah, that, in a weird that's, kind of way. The, yeah, no, saying. they happened before me. I was at the end, like I was at the end of some of that. In a way, like by that I mean, in terms mm. of like, even though they're younger than me, like Dave Lord and Elaine, a whole load of those, they had been involved in those scenes for five or six years mm. before I even heard of it. You know, um, and 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 even started. But the, the, you know, there was that, and there, there there is that, and like, 
you know, I don't love one over the other, but yeah. I think they both have, like, I think Irish performance poetry can be very, very good because most of us grew up so steeped in lyric poetry mm. that there's a little bit more attention to the writing rather than the kind of call and response repetition and, yeah. and stuff like that. So I think we're not quite, you know what I mean? We're, we haven't quite shaken off the, we haven't quite shaken off the turf from the boots of our poems, but, but, but like, I think in a way that can be a good thing because it's, it's not, you know, it's not totally like, uh, it, it doesn't leave imagery, it doesn't leave imagination, it doesn't leave a lot of those things behind, they're still in it. And that I think that that makes, that can make it easier to to, to listen to, to my ear, you know? But like, I think I think that's definitely the, the case. I, you know, like to be fair to the poets here, we're a tiny homogenous mm. country that was very much, you know, very much white, very much Catholic, very much. So if you think of like, if you think of the kind of melting pots and the mixes of cultures that were happening in the other places mm. where I'm coming from, the, 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 the other thing is that like a lot of the kind of Latin American writing that I liked, that was writing seared in politics. You know what I mean? It was absolutely, yeah. seared. it was Eduardo Galeano, Rocky Dalton, is all these, all these people. And like, for me, one of the things that I found interesting about those is like, to a certain extent, we're only allowed hint at emotions in Irish poetry. We're allowed hint at them to, you know, you know, are, are it's kept in a restrained way. Whereas like they'd ball their heads off in Latin American poems. Do you know what I mean? They, 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 you know, so, and, and just that looseness, that looseness of yeah. like, it's like passion was very uncool here. And you know, when you're going to, but what are we going to do? We all got to go around with our careful poems. You know what I mean? Is it like, like, like now the trouble is like obviously the trouble is if you write a hugely passionate poem about something and you publicize it and then you discover you were wrong like i'm always discovering i was wrong about my politics always you're going like great great there's my poem flying out around there now <laughs> um, so so it is like you know it is a bit of a it is a bit of a like a careful poem but but like that's what i'd hate to be as a careful poet i'd hate to be a careful poet so is the performance very integral for you or I mean if you took that away and you were just writing and say printing poetry would that for you be a very different thing from what you do or um so no no so so oh, okay there, there there are different things I think so right one of the things I think that that like the this is not to do with poetry now but this is to do with kind of I don't know personhood for our, our kind of your sense of identity for want of a better thing mm -hmm. but to stand it, like to stand in front of people reading a poem that is, you know, uh, you know, to, to reading a poem that you believe in is in a way to make yourself publicly vulnerable, right? So, so now there's something about that that's really, really nerve wracking, but there's also something about it that's hugely strengthening. It's so that that act of like a, a performance of a poem that's intimate. Now I don't necessarily, I don't mean erotic. I just mean a poem yeah. that's intimate, that's personal. Um, would be that that is doing something you know what I mean you're communicating on an extremely di direct level with people not necessarily through every word of the poem but through standing there saying look at me standing here saying this you know so right I, I can think of an example right I can think of an example not so much an emotional poem now but I can think of an example is if if you if you look it up it's this is one of, one of the most effective poems that I know of is Rita Ann Higgins's poem Some People hmm. Um and and if you, if you like if you look up that poem that's a poem about like you know it's a poem about the the strains of a working class life but if you consider where that poem might be read right so now the, like Rita Ann Higgins wasn't a performance poem uh, poet as such you know so where she was reading that poem would probably be 
literary festivals, it would probably be, you know, as in it'd be in reason, reasonably comfortable circumstances, what I'm saying. And, and the poem starts, right? The poem starts, and I, I wonder how many, but I can't remember it exactly, but it's like the first two lines of the poem are, some people know what it's like to be called a cunt in front of their children, and some people don't. Right. And so you're, you know, you're just going So know the whole poem is some people know what it's like to be at home for the bin man. Some people know what it's like to be in space. Now, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It's not her poem, you know, very effective. And it's 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 about it's about like, you know, it's about dodging violence, dodging death. It's about the, the actual the actual just lived experiences of. And, and I mean, basically, the end of the poem is going and some people don't. And that's the, the that's the huge challenge that's in the poem. But to stand there, right, if you think of Ireland, to stand there and publicly identify yourself with those things. Right. Now, I'm not saying that Rita Higgins wrote that poem from her personal experience, but she certainly wrote it from very near her personal experience, you know, from, from her field of personal experiences. And so in a way that that's you're allowing yourself to be associated with it. You know, now other than satire, I think satire is a bit different because so long as people do understand that you're doing satire, it's a kind of a persona. So so that yeah. that's something I'd, I would say that was the most important thing for me about having kind of discovered poetry. That was the most important thing for me. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the most important thing now, but that was the most important thing that happened to me through poetry was sort of discovering how to be publicly vulnerable and still be okay, you know, that it wasn't the end of the world. That, I, you know, I, I would have found that extraordinarily difficult in a relationship between one person with like 30,000 at a water demonstration, I was grand somehow, you know, so <laughs> so, so like, you know, you know, in, in terms of so that, but in terms of the difference between writing for the page and that the, 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 for me, the stimulus to write or the, the urge to write is the same, you know, um, the the one of the things one of the things that I find is it's the thing that I'm almost embarrassed to have written that is probably something that's going to appeal to people. You know what I mean? So it's the stuff you almost take out, actually. So 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 and, and so so in a way that feeling is kind of the same. You know when you're going no leave it there no actually leave it there. As in if you want to take that out, that's probably the bit that you you know it's probably the bit that you're not saying about what's what's going on or what's happening, you know, so. So you, you don't think you're writing differently for performance than if you're simply writing? Is that a reasonable? Uh, um, well, well, so, so okay, the, 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 like sometimes, sometimes, yeah, right. So, so like I have a poem, um, I have a poem that I wrote to do with the repeal um, referendum, you know, and I wrote because I was canvassing. So, and that's, what's that called? It's called, oh, for all of our heartbeats, right? And, you know, so, so to say I was definitely writing that for it to be heard and for it to have an effect and for who, you know, it was very deliberate. But at the same time, it was also examples taken from our canvassing in a rural area of Ireland. Like, you know, one of the things that one of the things that was kind of provoking me to write it is and I was going, I don't think people, I don't think other people, I don't think people in the rural areas knew what each other were saying mm. to the canvassers. Do you know, you know, do you know what I mean? Mm. So I think that there was a much more public sharing uh, that I think there was a much closer sentiment that people were much closer to each other in sentiment but each person who was saying something was saying it as if they were as if it was not yeah. something they would discuss and you know I was going okay that that's actually very interesting now that transpired maybe maybe I'm using 2020 hindsight there because I really thought like when we were canvassing I really thought we were taking one for the team by getting whatever yeses were in this area mm. But in fact, like it had cricket scores, it was up in the 60s, you know, 64, 65, you know, places that yeah. I really wouldn't have thought of, you know, like, you know, Kilfenora, 
Doolin. Uh, you yeah. know, Doolin, I think, had like some... I, no, I could be wrong on this, so the, the nerds could correct me, but I think it had like an 81% yes. And you know when you're going, Jesus, like, we definitely didn't get that sense from canvassing because yeah. people... We had one group telling us they were going to vote no, and we had one group telling us they were definitely going to vote yes, but with the vast majority of people not telling us. And yeah. we were assuming that silence was... And no, no, because they didn't agree with us, but it was actually a silent yes that was there, really, yeah. rather than uh, so. So, so for that, for that, you know, so that's something that was written like for performance. It doesn't mean it was emotionless, or uh, you know, but it certainly, it certainly wouldn't have the same, the same kind of, like it wasn't making me publicly vulnerable. And yet we must live in these times. In at the housing office, the woman says, "If I need a house." then I'll have to tell the council I'm homeless or else bunk in with my parents. And I feel the heat of tears in my eyes. And let me tell you, it's not sadness I'm feeling, it's anger. After all of my years insisting that no one will ever call me victim, in they come and do it from a whole different angle that I didn't see coming and they call it helping. These are the times that I live in, still paying the tail end of my mortgage with no home to show for it. And I wonder what I've absorbed that means even with all of my theories, my politics, that this, the oldest human endeavor of seeking out shelter has become shameful. On my way down through town, Rosalie asks for a fiver. I give it. It's easier to offer than to ask, I reckon. She says, ah, you are beautiful, shown the limits of her English vocabulary, but I'm not though. What I am is damaged and raging. On days like this, I seek the sea out and breathe it. And you, what do you do to get through it? Don't call it apathy. We're not fine. We're not grand, thanks. We're hurt. And we're making it worse when we go around pretending we're sorted. And I walk on past Griffin's Bakery as if I'm the only one in the river of people on Shop Street who's rocking a subplot, who's got things going on in the background that take effort to deal with. That's why it's called individualism, isn't it? Because we aren't telling anyone in the separation of one from each other, of ourselves from ourselves, we're alienated. But sure, it's grand, isn't it? We're on the pig's back, and yet we must live in these times. And I write down past tense love affairs, all the while getting older and worn out. And what use is it? Resuscitating old lovers for nothing, recycling these slogans, these dictums. If I can't write about real things, why bother? If I can't mock the sign on the wall at welfare that says after two decades of working that now I'm likely to drink in the daytime, to have poor personal hygiene or to spit and swear at the people who work there and are only paying their bills, same as anyone. I fool myself, one of these days I might do it. I might hurt someone or wreck something and it might bring me to some other dimension. That's human, so they tell me competition and viciousness. But I hope that's fiction because the truth is I don't have it in me. I'm lacking some cruelty because I think what's human is order and interdependence. What's human is balance and kindness and humor and us coming up with some way we can live in these times without violence. We must live in these times and no other. But I, for one, might need some help with it. Is that too much to ask for? We're now living in a time of pandemic and so forth. And how has that impacted upon you, both in the cultural mm -hmm. side, you know, in, in, in terms of your writing, I guess, for want of a better word, mm -hmm. and also in the sense of your activism? Yeah, so so like the okay before the the one you know one of the things is in I haven't been in I haven't been for the last five years or so I haven't been 
in a very that no that's an overstatement because I like I've done lots of things but I haven't been in a very productive poetry writing phase right now now whatever reasons for that I think I you know I think one of the two things is in I think I was writing trying to sort myself out and I think I've came came to a much more stable circumstance and place you know and I think so and I think that the 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 there's a different you know, there's probably, I think that whatever comes, whatever comes next, like, you know, so I, right, I have, I have definitely, I have probably about four books of poems I've written in that time, but I haven't published any of them, right. but it's, and it's not that they're secret or anything. It's just that they're not coherent. They're not, they're not, a, you know, like, like that to a certain extent, I haven't a lot of interest in them myself. And if I haven't a lot of interest in them myself, um, how, how you go going, this is the thing that I want out in the world. Yeah. Uh, representing me now that that's obviously some some you know some I have I would say I probably have 10 or maybe 12 poems from that time that I really would like to keep and would like to be in any in any sort of list of the poems that were my poems but so 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 that that's one of the things is in I think there's also something like there's also something about age in that to a certain extent I came to a lot of things late and I came with a very kind of youthful energy to it and that's not sitting correctly on me at 48 you know you know when you know when you're just no I'm not talking about I'm not I'm just talking about the specific energy not any energy but it's just going like I I saw you know when you're just going okay now I'm doing something's wrong there a few years ago maybe four years ago maybe or three years ago I was invited to do this to perform at this thing that was on the National Concert Hall and it was grand you know it was grand it was a good gig and everything and then I saw them during the marketing of it and it was like young bloods and you're going young bloods the, the, the menopause no bloods I think is what they're, they're probably <laughs> talking about here and you know when you, you know, and you're just going so, so there's yeah. something about there's a, you, you know there's a different phase and story that I need to tell but I haven't been able to tell it to myself yet I think it's probably yeah. Only the main issue. So, so like, but you will. I no, no, I know, I know. I think, I think I will. It's not. I, I don't mean, and, and I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not worried about age mm. or anything. But it's just something. It's just something about that. That that like, I don't want to. I don't want to be mimicking myself. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Is it, is it like it felt yeah. very genuine while I was doing it? But I don't want to mimic myself, you know, and like put on the boy band jeans and head off out and go like like the, you know that that's so 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 it's it's something different in in a way. And like a lot of the stuff I've been writing is is a bit different and it's a bit quieter. And I think I probably don't feel it has as much value right. to myself yeah. for that reason because it doesn't it does it's not doing quite the same. cathartic thing so so it could be like that that's that but but so so that and that was prior to the pandemic the 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 other thing is i also got a very full-time job um Mm. at at the start of those five years and it's you know it's it's based in community work very much around people and things like that and i find it uses a similar energy to be honest so that you know so that so that it's not necessarily that i come home a lot of the work i did before that was quite transient you know we're talking about it it would have been quite peace work it would have been shift work it would have been it would have involved me being on the move a lot of the time um you know through various different jobs seeing different things each day doing different things and i think that 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 certainly was some of my you know that certainly was some of my muse for want of a better word just the different things different places having a real view like you know, having a real view on what's happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't mean everywhere in the world, but in terms of like, I've had so many jobs that involve me going around Ireland doing different things that I'm not used to. I, the, the, like the pandemic has really made me been stuck in one place for a while, you know? And, yeah. uh, so so, so that, the, the, 
you know, I think like I think there's an awful lot of things to discuss politically about the pandemic. And I've seen some people have found it very fruitful from mm. the point of view of writing. But like we've been absolutely extraordinarily busy at work because of what because of what we're involved in mm. since the pandemic hit, because we've had all our own work and then we've had been involved in kind of, you know, trying to get community efforts up and running for people mm. to support each other, all the all the the, the usual stuff, you know, kind of. Uh, and so so we've been much busier, although I don't have to commute and have been working from home. Mm. It hasn't, it, you, you know, the, the fried brain feeling at the end of the working day has increased, not decreased. So, yeah, that's yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. But so like, like I do think just, just now as in I did I did start. I'm, I'm trying to get poems together for an anthology at the moment, an anthology of queer poets. And I so I did start mm. and I do there's there's a thing I do just as a as a as a kind of a, a, a trick to myself the last couple of years is in on the winter solstice every day I try and write a book of poems on the winter solstice to try just just for the crack I try and write an entire book of poems on the yeah. winter solstice day because I, I just think it's a really interesting thing to do because it's like it's probably like a marathon runner because you start dredging all sorts of weird things by the time you're hitting into the you're hitting into the small hours as as as, as my partner Anne said she, she said you might have had a dark half hour of the soul because she thinks I'm far too happy, you know. But uh, so so but 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 like it is just you know so so it is so like I have from 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 doing those I have a lot of poems and those those are interesting because I think that they just stand as an experiment, you know. As in it's not whether they're good art or bad art, but they're just going. What happens if you do this? What happens if you put this? pressure this darkest shortest day of the year and try and write your way out of it somehow you know so so those so those like those are a couple That's of things anything not that i haven't been doing anything but it's just i haven't i haven't really put anything out uh, out there to to like, like to go here did let this represent me you know the political possibilities of the pandemic and i don't know i don't know that i have any great insight on them but i think it's a very interesting thing it's a very interesting thing to consider, yeah. isn't it? So the the like like this not obviously not you know downplaying the seriousness mm -hmm. of it or anything, but one of the things that has happened is all sorts of things that we have been told were impossible. utterly impossible happened almost overnight. They they they've proven to be very very possible, such as you know paying four hundred thousand people three hundred fifty euros a week instead of the one eighty or one ninety yeah. uh, on the dole. So lots of things have been possible, and what else might be possible? I think is probably it's probably something like a great conversation for people to be having right now, but I don't really see it being, I don't see it being had to any huge extent. I see it being had like, you know, to, to a certain extent, I see a lot of the energy is around whether or not we are handling the the pandemic correctly from the point of view of a medical, you know, of, of a global mm -hmm. pandemic. But I don't, see the, I don't necessarily see you know, I, I, I backtrack, but what, you know, one of the things I've always thought we needed on the left was like an advance party planning yeah. the future, because one of the things you kept so busy reacting, you kept so busy reacting and fighting for rights not to be eroded further all the time, that quite often you haven't time to go, mm. you know, what, 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 you haven't time to go what's next because you're constantly on your, your, you're battling something, you're battling this being undercut, that being here, this treaty coming the, the, the constantly so so to actually go you know what does this change look like for the left actually what's a left you know what's a what's a left emerging from the pandemic what does it look like this is not for me but I, I, I think there's something we've been caught on the left to a large extent we've been caught into a false argument and the false argument is again it's a capitalist argument that we're arguing about scarce mm. resources right 
So why the hell are we in like the seventh richest country in the world arguing about scarce resources? And if we're arguing about scarce resources, what the hell is happening in the poorest country, yeah. you know? Now, now I mean, you know, if, like if you think, you know, if you think of the, the like the planet's resources, absolutely are finite and so on. But like what we don't have is like, that we're caught as if we always have all these discussions hours in going like, so if we say we want this, they go, what are you going to give up? And you go, no, we don't want to give up anything. We just want that. So I, I think maybe we need to start maybe just just having a bit more ambition about it, to be honest. It's in going, no, we want all of it, actually, you know. So like I see that, you know, the movement of asylum mm. seekers in Ireland, mm. Massey. And, and I see that. I see that just just and I think it's very um, I see that in, you know, in 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 their campaigning very strongly and i think they're completely correct they're saying we want the full range of human rights and uh, the same services as citizens available to asylum seekers in your country because why not why you know not? why not what's your argument for not doing it you know and, and i mean it's it's actually it's totally you know in terms of like you know as in obviously most of these things have been costed and so on and you know direct provision is extraordinarily expensive so that's not the you know it would actually be cheaper for us to be providing full access to social welfare yeah. Than, than running direct yeah. provision, it's cheaper anyway, but that, that's not the issue. But the argument is in to, to, for them to frame it in that way, to say, well, which one of our human rights do you want us not to have? You know, so you make that you make that case there, like instead of, whereas we almost seem to have accepted, you know, like I remember having some, having a, a lot of um, tic-tacking over and back with the Department of Justice over a, a direct mm. provision centre near us, and they were going, but we've cut it down to three people per room. You go, what makes you think you should put three adults in a room together? Like, what, you know, on what basis did you decide we're going to put asylum seekers in shared rooms? And what was yeah. that based on? Uh, you, you know, the, like, there's no, there was, a, no, there was never any justification yeah. for it. And so that, that idea that to a certain extent, like, like, we get trapped into going, oh, it's great, they've cut them down to three per room. And you're going, why, why are they sharing rooms with strangers? Like, you know, yeah. the, 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 so, but just those ideas, I think, I think that we, I think that we're trapped sometimes we're trapped looking for too little because we can't imagine it, you know? And I think that's that's to bring it back to the culture and that is in, you know, that's one of the things culture can do is is like expand the imaginative capacities that, in a way. Now, I'm not talking about mine, as in I think mine is very much of the, of the kind of quotidian, unfortunately. But but that, that idea that, you know, that, that idea of like, I remember the, the, the Zapatista slogan always, oh, one no and many yeses. And the same thing, Aaron, Daddy, Roy, I think, I, like, uh, the, the, or even James Connolly, we only mm. want the earth, you know, we want all of it, actually. You, you know, why would we be arguing about not having it? I'm not talking about, like, I'm not talking about mm. individual gains. Why would we, you know, why would we be arguing about saying we can't afford a proper health service or we can't afford travellers to have proper houses? We can't afford, why don't we just actually go, no, all of it, actually? That's, and I'd love, you know, I'd love to see someone going into government go, no, all of it. Uh, but, uh I wonder. I wonder will it happen? Like, like the, the. I think that's. I think that's. If I think if everybody had to pick one of their human rights to give up, yeah, yeah. It, it might concentrate the mind. Going okay. So which one will you give up now? You know which one. Which one do you not want to have? So if everybody who was arguing for anyone else's had to had to go, okay. You you give us one now. You sacrifice one of yours there, and we'll 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 take it. But and I think I think that's that's what I think is in and I'm showing my age, but that's what I think at the peak of the kind of for want of a better name, the anti-globalization movement, that was really on the agenda as in gone all of it. We actually want all of it. You know what I mean? We want workers' rights, LGTB rights, yeah. you know, we want environmental rights, we want indigenous rights, we want 
all of them because there's no reason that any of them should be something that can't be had. And that, 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 in a way, you know, so, so it wasn't, you know, you see, this would be a whole other spiel, but you see the way people get stuck into these critiques of identity politics mm. now. And, and, you know, like, I mean, okay, that's a, a whole, whole other argument. But again, it depends as in if any of those are your identity, you probably don't want your one to be left out. You probably don't want you going like so. The one we're not caring about today could it not please not be mine? <laughs> you know, is, is the the but but like that that idea like as in if you think as in like if you think of that the anti globalization protest for want of a better word, there was huge identity politics going yeah. on there, and there were people understanding that their oppressions were in fully interlinked. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Fully interlinked that the oppression of an indigenous group. From Brazil was linked with the, you, you know, was linked with the the ostracization of working class communities here, and you know, people had really grasped that. And I think that that's that's one of the things that could possibly be reclaimed in a politics coming out of the pandemic. You know, the idea, just this idea, right? If you take up the the, you know, if you take the huge Thatcherite claim, you know, as in no, there's no such thing as society or anything. It's just demonstrated, right? You know, it, it's just demonstrated in other countries with more severe issues than us as in going, if they keep, you know, the uber wealthy may be able to lock themselves in gated communities away from pandemics. But basically in most normal, for most normal society to function, actually for one of us to be okay, all of us have to be okay at the, the outcome of the pa- pandemic. And I think that if we could take that lesson from it as in going for one of us to be okay, we all are going to need to be okay. Uh, if we could take that as a political motive, it'd be something worth working towards at least, you know. 